This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two cups of spiced chai with a dash of milk and sugar, Kara Shamborsky. Hey. And Kate Lamphere. I sound delicious. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> thank you both for joining me this week for episode 303 of I Read Comic Books. This is a very wild and kind of different episode as far as I'm concerned, if only because we're recording extra early in the morning or early for me, 10 in the morning. Uh, and we're talking about something that's only slightly comic related. I'm really, really excited to see where we're going to go with the conversation. But I am really excited to talk about comic books today with both of you. Carrie, you were going to say something before I, I jumped in. I would just like to apologize at the top of the episode for any brain breaks Mike might have because I'm the reason we're recording so early. <laughs> Listen, we do what we have to in order to make this show work. And today we're here at 10 in the morning to talk about comic books. So let me ask my legally mandated questions, which is how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kara. All right. So my routine with the magic that is the hoopla library app is i check out 10 comics and then i don't read them until they're about to expire <laughs> and then i'm in crunch <laughs> mode classic that's, that's the correct them. way to do it <laughs> so i read three volumes of die and three volumes of once in future in 48 hours so i'm on like kieran gill and medieval overload <laughs> my god <laughs> my, like mike said sent me a link saying hey what's on the top of your pile for this week and i'm like i am not emotionally available for additional comic books at this time <laughs> <laughs> i need some processing yeah so i i'm eagerly awaiting the the fourth volume of die which is coming up soon um once in future is one that felt less kieran gillany if that makes sense like it was it felt more like a um like a fun pulpy romp like there's there's still um elements of the stuff that you kind of expect from a, a kieran gillen comic with some more uh obscure literary references for a lot of readers and mm -hmm. some some fun fun wordplay uh it, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the title once in future is a comic from boom studios and the premise is uh, a bunch of white English nationalists are resurrect King Arthur so that he will defend Britain for the Britons. It's like a very obvious commentary on Brexit <laughs> but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. through uh, the legend tradition of of England. So there's lots of different um, legendary figures that that crop up and. There's a monster hunting grandmother and grandson duo, and there's a lot of interesting stuff done with how um, different versions of legends exist and how those versions interact with each other. And I do think even if you're not like a scholar of Arthurian legend, it's still an interesting read because it's fun like it's just, oh, yeah it's like super fun to read because all these ridiculous things happen where you're just like comic books everyone <laughs> to well the, the the thing that kills me about that book is as much as i don't know a lot about arthurian lore beyond just like there was king arthur and he had a you know right of round table um do that accent the, the, all the time mike <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh the, the thing i really enjoy about the book is is this the the, the weird 
concept of like stories being retold. And if you, as soon as you hit these certain beats, a lot of other things fall into like a chain reaction sort. Like there's a, a really interesting like question about like fate and control of one's life based on choices that you or maybe others have made that I find fascinating. And it's, it's such a fun struggle to watch the characters of the story fight with that idea that, oh, no, these few things lined up in a certain way that it started to create this mythology all over again. And therefore, there's nothing we can do to prevent it unless and then there's a wild, wacky premise about how we could fix it um, or, or, you know, break away from the the ongoing chain reaction. On top of that, it is just like a really interesting book um, in the way that, you know, I think Gillen is is making commentary about the world today. But I, I think there's a lot going for this book. And it it is I read it all in like quick succession. I think I just been sitting on issues for like almost 18 issues and reading that all in one go was like a slap in the face of just like this is probably one of the most interesting comics on the shelves right now. It's just you have to read it all in one go to like get the bigger picture. And like I said, it also is very fun. Like I, I really enjoy Karen Gillan's work, but it is work that you generally have to like really focus on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this book felt more like, haha, I'm watching an entertaining television show and somebody's about to get blown up. <laughs> Where right. are the chainsaws? <laughs> That's true. That's true. So there did- is a wacky feeling to that book. Yeah, it did like aesthetically at points feel more like Spawn or something from Dynamite. So was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if you want something not so serious, but that still doesn't talk down to you, um, this is a good pick. And then since uh, Halloween is, is coming up, um, I did read the complete Charlie Brown Waiting for the Great Pumpkin, which is a Ooh. fanographics collection of the comic strips about the Great Pumpkin from like 1959 to 62, I think. So if you didn't grow up reading Peanuts comics like I did, The Great Pumpkin is Linus's answer to Santa Claus. And every Halloween, The Great Pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch to fly around the world, bringing presents to good girls and boys. (laughs) And everyone just spends the entirety of these strips being like, Linus, you blockhead, this is not a thing. And he's just like, it is because I'm sincere. And (laughs) I... And this collection of strips, it was interesting because the these strips are newspaper strips. So they were originally presented in uh, like four uh, strips placed horizontally. And for this Fantagraphics book, they did um, alter the format a little bit and make it like uh, four squares. So two and two stacked. So mm. it did it did take me a minute to kind of get into that format. But for a book, it makes sense if they want to kind of stretch the the book out to 60 pages like they did um Mm -hmm. but i did end up laughing out loud uh towards the end of it it was like a short quick read delightful for halloween and there's just charles schultz really had a finger on the pulse of american culture and i know a lot of um peanut stuff gets kind of written off at this point as being uh like sort of lowest common denominator of of humor stuff which it had to be as a nationally syndicated strip but the early Mm -hmm. stuff in particular was charles schultz bringing a very specific um philosophically tinged moral viewpoint and exploration of these these uh uh some tensions in america through this this comic strip and 
uh, so it, it manifests as stuff that's genuinely funny. So towards the end of this this great pumpkin collection, there's this one year where um, the character Sally, Char- Charlie Brown's little sister, who has a crush on Linus, gets convinced to go hang out in the pumpkin patch with Linus on Halloween to await the great pumpkin. And when the great pumpkin doesn't show and she realizes that she missed trick or treating, she has like a complete meltdown for the next week mm-hmm. of strips and mm-hmm. just starts like screaming, I'll sue in like letters <laughs> big enough to fill the whole box. And I'm just like, ah, America litigious to the end. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but just like all of her, uh, all of her like genuine outrage at being swindled was like a real delight to read gotcha you know it's funny i i someone in the discord our friend brandon i think told was saying that he was reading uh the collected editions that that fanographics was doing of the uh charlie brown stuff and i out of out of the blue i happened to see it on the comiXology unlimited page i was like oh whatever i'll borrow it and i'll start reading it and there are some strips in that series that are super fantastic, especially the first volume. But the thing that I noticed about Schultz is that you could tell he was having an off week when he would just like make a really bad pun or a stupid joke. And then the last panel would be Charlie Brown running away being like, I get my kicks. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? You go from like these really smart, well-paced, like series of four issue um, strips to this like just really bad joke. I just <laughs> I found if it to be really to- annoying. <laughs> If you have to make a strip a day and like that's oh, sure. your job, yeah, you're yeah, gonna yeah, have yeah. some duds. Yeah, yeah, and I just <laughs> I think it's it's just so funny to like see these these duds collected among some really funny four four panel strips. Um, but it's good. I mean, I, it's funny that I, I I only read like I think the first like year or so. So it's funny that like that he did the great pumpkin and it was such a long thing um, later because I, I really wanted to get to that kind of stuff that I recognize from like my childhood, but it's good to hear that it's good. Like it's still actually solid and it's like the adapt adaptations for TV didn't like rejigger everything just to make it work for television. So yeah, the TV specials were always um, the, the early ones at least were pretty good at just being like, here are the strips and this is our dialogue and we're not deviating mm-hmm. from the dialogue. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Kate, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? All that stuff. Good. I've actually been reading quite a bit. Some manga, some stuff on Hoopla, some things that have been sitting around. I'm really trying to like kind of clean up our house before winter hits and I lose all of my motivation. And part of cleaning up means reading all of these comics that we own and haven't oh, read, no. right? <laughs> so sorry and- for you. Uh, what i want to talk about is black magic volumes two and three by greg rucka and nicholas scott the last episode i was on was all about witches and witch comics and i read volume one for that and i i read it for like the second or third time for for that episode and i i've never read past that before for some for some reason i don't know why and i was determined to keep going this time and i did and for some reason, I thought the volume three, which is called Ascension One, was somehow the last volume in the series. And I really hope that that's not the case because it hasn't wrapped everything up. I really hope that this right. is is still going. I haven't honestly checked. I don't know if the single issues are still coming out or if volume four is expected or anything like that. I just hope so. Um and in volume three, the main character's life is like really a mess. I mean, this 
I mean, this series is really like just hitting like hitting her again and again while she's down already. Um, but there's like this optimistic tone to all of that, like like as if it's there, it's like a waiting game and it's going to get better. She's putting a lot of work into fixing things. And that's actually kind of nice. Like I've seen characters sort of fall apart in stories before, but this one kind of has like this promise to it that like the next volume is really going to like she's it's it's gonna Things are going to start working out. So it's mm-hmm. not all just bleak. So I'm I'm excited for more. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Black Magic is one of those series that I wish would just come out in graphic novel form. Like once a year, we just get a new volume. Maybe it's 100 pages. And just just so that we could get more of this series in our lives, because Nicholas Scott, Greg Rucka are busy probably doing a million other things to like bring in a ton of other income in other ways. But like this feels like a, a, a labor of love kind of series. Um, but it's it's so well regarded. I, I kind of wish that they could they could spend more time on it. But I understand like. You got other obligations and things to do. Um, but yeah, if I remember correctly, the end of that that volume um, is is a big cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how yep. do you not continue? And I was like, I thought that this was the whole series. I thought that this was going to be the end. And then I looked right. at that, that title, Ascension 1, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> well, fingers crossed that we'll get an announcement, you know, maybe early next year about something. Yeah. But... Well, um, I guess for me, I have been all over the place with comics. I've read a lot of not good comics, which kind of stinks. Oh, no. Um, like, and I, I don't want to necessarily name them on the show here, but um, you know, if you come hang out with us on Discord every once in a while, maybe I talk about them like I did last night at our hangout. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I've also been planning. So, like, I usually don't get into like the season of things. Like at this point in my life, I'm such an, a jaded adult about things. Um, with the exception of this year's Halloween, I've decided that I'm I'm getting into this spirit by running a Nightmare Before Christmas themed D&D one shot with some people. It's actually happening tonight after today's recording and everything else that's happening today. Uh, it's going to be me, uh, a friend of mine named Ben, uh, Brian and Kate Lamphere are going to be playing this. Oogie Boogie has taken over Nightmare or Halloween Town and you have to go in and stop him. It's going to be really, really fun. I love um, this journey for like- you. <laughs> It's, it's, I, we so long story short some friends of ours had been i'm gonna tell this whole story whatever this is this is our podcast we can do whatever <laughs> we want um somebody had posted like a tiktok that featured someone saying oh man someone created a bunch of monsters from nightmare before christmas and i was like okay if someone found this i'm gonna find this thing i happened to upon a pinterest page which took me to another page it took me to another page it took me to a facebook group that you had to join and if you joined it you could dm the administrator and he would send you a pdf of this nightmare before christmas characters all turned into monsters and stuff for the most part it's pretty good i had to make some tweaks because it's a little some of the things were broken or didn't make sense um but yeah, ultimately found a thing, came up with an idea, created a Roll20 game, and Brian and Kate and uh, our friend Ben all are coming up with Disney characters. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. They're not just going in as gen- like generic fantasy characters. They're going in as other Disney characters who have been turned into D&D creations, like D&D sheets. Um, and they are Kingdom Hearts style coming together to fight the bad guy in this world. I'm very excited about it. Um, to say the least i'm excited for you this sounds delightful kate do you want to tell the folks at home and kara here who would genuinely appreciate it who you are playing in this game i'm playing jim hawkins from treasure planet yes oh my god what a good good. choice 
it's so good um so yeah so we're doing that tonight i'm very excited uh and i haven't been necessarily reading comics to get myself in the spirit outside of the handful of ones that were bad so i'm not going to mention them danny says that i should name them um i will say the two scott snyder books that i read from the uh you know the new the comicsology originals that he put out i was not a fan of not for me um but that's about it you know nothing else to say about that not Um, everything is for everybody mike Exactly, exactly. Uh, But I will say one of the books that I did like that I read recently was Stillwater Volume 1. This is uh, Chip Zdarsky with pencils and inks by Ramon Perez, colors by Mike Spicer, letters by Russ Wooten. Um, You know, last week I picked a Zdarsky book. This week I picked a a Zdarsky book as my, what I've been reading. Um, But ultimately, like, I can't, I can't argue these books are really, really good. And Stillwater is really solid. Like, I read number one a long time ago and I was like, you know, I'll trade weight this. And then I finally did. And then I never actually sat down to read it until this past week. Um, the, uh, the, the problem with it is, is that like I read the first arc and immediately was hoping the second volume and it was out because I read it so long ago. Um, but of course there's only like three more ep- issues out of the next arc. I think the next volume does come out in January. So fingers crossed I can get that. Uh, but the sto- for those of you that don't know, uh, the story of this book follows Daniel West as he heads to Stillwater after a mysterious lawyer leaves a message about an inheritance. Stillwater is this little city way off the beaten path um, in the, it seems like it's going like in like upper New York or something like that, or like in the, in the New England area where things can kind of get lost in a forest. Upper um, New York, Mike? Upstate. Yeah, well, upstate. upstate. Sure. Upper, <laughs> upper. Upstate. <laughs> yeah, upstate New York. Sorry. Um, but what he finds when he gets to, to Stillwater is not necessarily an inheritance that he was promised, but a small city that where no one can die. If you are within the borders of this city, you will not age and you cannot die. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing, especially with the, as things begin to get revealed as the story goes on, there's a lot of, um, anger and secrets and machinations and power struggles and people being angry. And I get a lot of Southern bastards vibes from this book. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously it's not about like football in the South and like old grudges and stuff. Instead, it's just about the more we learn about this town, the more dire it seems, despite the utopian, appearance that it has you know what wouldn't you do to to live a life where you could be the same age forever um you know especially if it happened when you were an adult but what if you were a kid what happens when those types of things happen um it's there's a lot of questions to this book and it's really really interesting i think zadarsky's done a good job of developing the mystery while also keeping each issue really really um well paced um ramon perez's art is fantastic it's very it's very quick it's very loose um but in a way that makes every page feel energetic you don't really feel like even even just like the dialogue back and forth between a couple of people on a page doesn't feel boring because of the way that he chooses to um angle things and um you know all that kind of stuff so i i really like the extremely well-defined characters like really beautifully constructed scenes that like immerse you deeply into this like small city vibe like it's not a town but it's not a megatropolis it's kind of just like your medium-sized like city but Obviously, the population is is very, very small because they need to keep this thing a secret. And I'm really, really excited to read the next volume. Um, so, yeah, hi- highly recommend Stillwater if you get a chance to read it because it's it's a very solid book overall. But, you know, um, I don't know if you guys are into that kind of stuff, but it's it's pretty good. If you want some some nice tension um, com- you know, I mean, in, the, in the middle of the fall. <laughs> I mean, you had me at your Southern Bastards comparison, but also I'm like, mm. yeah. 
it's it's not as violent as southern bastards i will say uh it's just that like that idea of there being like these old old grudges and just people going head to head against each other because like of different you know beliefs about how things should be done it's i i got that vibe i wouldn't say it's the exact same sure okay that's Um, fair but anyways, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out in the new future and comic books that are just on the top of your pile. Um, for those of you that are that are picking books this week, uh, comics are dropping on October 27, 2021. But let me know what's on the top of your pile. Let's start with you, Kara. So I I read about this book like a while ago, I think when it first came out. And then I was like, yeah, I'll get around to reading that. I'll get around to reading that. And then didn't until now because my library had a copy it's a comic book slash travelogue called tokyo on foot by florent chavouet and it is advertised as a walking tour of tokyo in comic book form um i did see mixed reviews about it so i don't um I don't kind of know what to expect, but the art looked really bright and cheerful and I'm not going to Japan anytime soon. So I Mm -hmm. thought, why don't I visit Tokyo in comic book travelogue form? That sounds great. (laughs) So that's next on my list. And then I discovered today that there is a sequel to Sheets and it's called Delicates. And I will be reading that almost immediately after we're done recording because i really enjoyed um sheets where uh um let me think it's been a while since i read it the teenage girl middle school age girl discovers that there's a ghost named wendell that lives in the laundromat Mm -hmm. and you're like (laughs) learning about like wendell's ghosty ghosty reasons um and it's very cute uh listeners of the show know that we recommend sheets all the time and there's a sequel so that's so exciting I, i've right? been sitting on delicates for a while and i really need to actually read it well halloween is is this week mike now it's it's now's the moment for your ghost <laughs> ghost adventures true 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 uh kate what about you what are you excited for this upcoming week or what's on the top of your pile i'm excited for laura olympus yeah, by Rachel Ooh. Smith. And if everybody that sounds... should be fucking excited for this book, <laughs> holy smokes! If this sounds familiar, it's been a webtoon for a while. Um, I checked out the webtoon website, and it's got five point two million followers and a nine point uh-huh. seven one rating. So this is very popular, and I have not read it at all, even a little bit. I've been, um, well, I would say I've been trade waiting it, but I didn't even know that this was coming out in a bound version until earlier this year. So it's uh-huh. more like I heard about the book and I was like, you know what? I'll just wait for that. <laughs> sure. sure. Um, this is a modern retelling of the love story pr- between Persephone and Hades. And I was seeing fan art of this t- webtoon um, and screen caps of this comic before knowing what it was from, before knowing that webtoon was even a thing. Um, so this has been kind of like in this uh, pop culture, uh, like place. I don't know. <laughs> when oh, I went yeah. to when I went to Disney World two months ago, I saw at least one person wearing a Laura Olympus T-shirt that may or may not have been an official one, and I was like, ah, I see. This makes sense mm-hmm. to me. The people who go to Disney World in a pandemic would also be the people who read Laura Olympus <laughs> before it's made into a book. <laughs> Um, I think that Netflix is making an animated series of this. 
That's the rumor on the internet. Um, so that's, if you, that's very exciting. So if you are not a Webtoons person, as I, I have not yet at least been a Webtoons person. Um, mm-hmm. I started reading Lore Olympus. I feel like a bunch of years ago, I forget who, somebody was just like, you have to check out Webtoons. This is the new frontier of digital comics. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I tapped on Lore Olympus because I was like, I like the Greek myths. Let's try this. And mm-hmm. I read... I think the first like 10 or so strips of Lore Olympus, like I got to the point where they're like very early on, they're like at the party and Hades sees Persephone and he's like, oh, she's so beautiful. Who is she? And I was like, okay, okay. So just like that, I don't know, like the start of it being so obviously like we're going to do a romance trope story, kids. I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, I know where this is going, but. I understand that it's like a cultural phenomenon and a lot of people like it and I'm sure I will love it too. So I did pre-order the first volume of the collected edition. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, it's it's so funny. This is like from what I hear um, just along the grapevine of comics, like this is one of the most anticipated physical releases of a webtoon in the united states like you honestly i'm surprised you were able to even pre-order this Kara, because comic shops across the country are like telling people we just can't get more copies they can't print them fast enough um oh i was bad honestly, i got mine through amazon oh that's fine but still <laughs> and that's fine like i i guess I, I i just the thing that blows my mind is that like the numbers on this book you think that comics are popular like comic books are trash in comparison to webtoons population or popularity um no book is selling like this in in the comics industry like lore olympus is like the dog man of webtoons right or of like children's books right the dog man is selling like crazy captain underpants sells like crazy you know something like smile sells unbelievable numbers lore olympus is that is the new like guys, this is what the standard should be, but mm-hmm. comics are so insulated inside of themselves. It makes me so frustrated to see this Webtoon thing rise in popularity in the United States very recently. I know it's been very popular in China and Korea and Japan for a long time, but to see things like Webtoons grow in massive popularity in the United States and then not watch the comic book create or comic book companies copy this model that works so well for people uh, makes me sick, uh, especially because like the number of people reading Lore Olympus the 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 brand recognition and and the fact that it's coming from like one creator is insane and i think like recently beyond the big 2 the only book that i know of that's doing numbers that are even relatively close and i'm talking like like maybe a tenth of the of the numbers is that new matt rosenberg uh tyler boss book that's coming out where they got 100,000 pre-orders without a loot box integration and I think like that is the one of the best selling independent books. I think Saga is probably going to break that record when it comes out in January. But um, nonetheless, like how long is that going to keep up for those books? Whereas right. Lore Olympus continuously gains popularity. Um, anyways, it just it just blows my mind because I, I wish that comics were at that level, you know, um, but unfortunately they are not because we have a weird distribution model that no one can get into unless you really care and or really want to push the like. I don't know, but get through the hardships of, of dealing with that. So, well, also, Mike, I mean, everybody loves a good, um, good genre romance where the tropes sure. are all there. You love a good, right. love a good <laughs> sexy reimagining of a, a myth that people at least remember from, from elementary school. This is just going back to the whole like, people don't want to talk about how romance is something like the top selling genre for people who read and people who read tend to 
be women. So it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. hey, let's um let's pay attention to the demographic that's actually spending money on these things. Right. You I know? mean, yeah, I this is a whole other like show soapbox that I could get on because yeah, 100% agree with that like why aren't we seeing more of these comics being published and like is is the is the barrier to entry of comics like this being published because i i can probably really quickly find recent romance comics that have been published through through various publishers um but they are not doing these numbers why is that right is it the distribution model is it the ease of access is it word of mouth is it marketing is it what you know um i have a feeling a lot of those all of those things play together but for some reason it's working really really well on webtoons and i think it's just ease of access right how easy is it for you to get the webtoons app and then just start reading, right? Like today, you could do that. You could do that in the 10 seconds that I've been talking. You could be on Laura Olympus Volume 1, you know, or Issue 1, I should say. Anyways. And, um, and that's the T. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, all right, we're going to get there. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, I guess really quick, my Discord folks are hanging out with us today. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, they had some picks. Danny is reading Harbinger number one. This is the new Valiant book that's coming out, which is exciting. Xander, our good editor friend, is reading Witch Hat Atelier volume two. You know, everyone high five around, add some, you know, cheering, screaming, mark background <laughs> noise because we got Xander into Witch Hat and that's all that matters. We're eventually <laughs> going to get everyone on the show to read Witch Hat. I think that's my my ultimate goal for IRCB. <laughs> uh but uh anyways the uh the book that i'm excited for this upcoming week is inferno number two this is jonathan hickman stefano caselli david curiel joe sabino um on art colors letters respectively uh this series feels like the fire that's going to burn down the house of x and that's fine like house of x was was big and and set up a lot of really cool things for the x-men and uh this series is is going to destroy it and i'm totally fine with that Uh, for those of you that didn't read number one the long and short is the big question of the house of x is why didn't mystique's wife get brought back to life what happened to destiny she's a precog and she was mystique's love and for some reason professor x and magneto and the rest of the gang when they started resurrecting people they said not precogs but they didn't tell anybody that they're just putting off. They're saying, oh, Mystique will get to her. Oh, Mystique, don't worry about it. She's she's in line, um, but she hasn't been resurrected. And so this Inferno series is about Mystique basically bringing a gun into, you know, the, the courtroom and saying, OK, you guys need to give me an answer here. And some interesting things have happened so far in this series. So I'm very excited to see basically what is un- maybe unfortunately um, the end of House of X or the status quo as we've known it for the past like year or two. Um but anyways, I like uh, I like it. This book uh, is pretty cool. Plus, there's a whole revelation of like no one actually knows beyond the X-Men that people can be resurrected. Um, and so some of that that stuff is probably going to get revealed. But that's also happening in the X-Men book. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I just I like the X-Men sometimes, guys. And uh, this week's X-Men book is, is very exciting for me. Uh and yeah, I guess uh, we're going to we're going to take a quick break here. But before we do, uh, we do have an interview with Stephen Prince for his Kickstarter Monster Matador Afropocalypse, which is about a matador fr- who fights kaiju and he has to go to South Africa to stop a zombie outbreak. Uh, I got I got a really I got a good share. Excuse me. I got a good look at some of his books. I was able to read the, the first three issues of the Monster Matador series. And I read this new one. And it's pretty interesting. Um, if you're into Kaiju, if you you know, I think that the take is very interesting. So uh, take a look at take a listen to the uh, interview. And we'll be back to talk about this week's topic, which is tea. 
I'm just going to leave it there. We'll, 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 get, we'll figure it out from there. Uh, so we'll be right back. For IRE Comic Books this week, I am talking to the one and only Steve Prince, creator of Monster Matador. Their latest the latest Kickstarter for the series is out right now, Afropocalypse. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on IRE Comic Books. Great. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, uh, I guess for the folks at home who maybe don't know, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Monster Matador? Sure. So I am uh, the writer and creator of Monster Matador. Um, I started doing... Uh, comics after I got laid off from my job in the toy industry. Uh, I've always done comics. I've always done like cartoons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, Monster Matador is an idea I've had for a very long time, probably like 15 years now at this oh, wow. point. And um, I actually wrote and drew like 12 issues just being unemployed oh, <laughs> and having nothing, just for fun, just to kind of like, and it just kind of got carried away with it. And um, a couple of year, uh, a couple of years ago, I decided to kind of like do it right with a, a, a fantastic artist who we have now, uh, who's Fabio Alves. And um, we uh, did a kind of a reboot, relaunch of the series um, with a, a mini series called Monster Matador, Tangle of the Matadors, which introduces you to this uh, sort of post-apocalyptic world where monsters reign free and a matador has taken up his sword and cape uh, to fight these kaiju in order uh, to give his daughter a better future. I mean, and I will say, looking at the just the covers of these books and mm-hmm. just, just staring down that concept, I didn't know what to expect going into these comics. So right. I have to wonder what's going through your head to try to match up this idea of, of a matador who is fighting these humongous kaiju. I mean, just the, the, the issues yeah. that uh, I was happy, I, you know, I was able to read. Uh, I mean, like they're giant flying monsters. I mean, like, <laughs> right. how does this all come together? So it's, it's, you know, when I, when I originally came up with the idea, I had done it in a more kind of a, it's more like slapstick, kind of like if you think of the three stooges, you know? Sure was very kind of over the top and whatnot. And then when I started kind of really developing it, um, you know, obviously like with, with comics, with superheroes, with, you know, things like this, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief, you know? Mm -hmm. But one of the things that makes the matador uh, so perfect is that it's, it's grounded in the sense that when, when a matador is fighting a bull, which is a very large animal, um, you, you just take that and you, and you make the bull like, you know, hundred times the size of a regular bull. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, part of the, fu- you know, part, part of the, you know, the cool thing about the matador and, and the whole, um, you know, the whole bullfight is that it's, you know, there's actually stages to the bullfight, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a performance, you know? So uh, we kind of incorporate that a little bit into how the monster, the matador fights the, the monster. So you've got like in Tangle of the Matadors, there's like the first act where they kind of wound the monster. And then there's the second act where they, you know, kind of gather their wits and kind of, you know, formulate a plan to attack the monster. And then there's like the turning point. And then there's like, you know, the big fight with the monster. And, you know, part of the fun, and I think part of what kind of keeps the concept fresh, even though it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's a guy fighting monsters each time, right? That's kind right. of the, I mean, you know, but you have to keep it fresh to keep people interested. And, and part of the fun is trying to figure out, okay, 
how is this, you know, six foot tall matador actually going to kill this giant kaiju? <laughs> you know, I mean, in the first one, it's a giant fly. Like, you know, if you think of like Mothra and, you know, one of the things we did with it was it's just, it's not just the giant fly, but because it's like, a, it's like kind of like a queen bee. So she has mm-hmm. these like hundreds and thousands of like little bees all around her that are also attacking him. I, and I will say the art in that in that for those first three issues, absolutely terrifying. Those bugs scared the crap out of me. And just in terms of the grossness that they, they that, yeah. you know, your team put together to make such like fantastically terrible monsters. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like I said, a lot of credit for that goes to um, goes to Fabio. Mm-hmm. It's. It's, it's really interesting as, you know, Fabio, that was the first thing we, we worked on. So we were kind of like getting to know each other and I was getting to know him. He's, he's in Brazil, you know, getting to know what he likes and, and Fabio, it turns out is a really, he loves horror. He's a big horror guy. So, you know, you get that in the art and, um, it's interesting because it, 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 the script originally wasn't necessarily written with, with him in mind, you know? Okay, but as his start, you know, because his, his art is is um, it, it originally written for a more kind of, I guess you say like a comic booky style. Sure, like and, your traditional, like almost yeah, like a like Marvel or DC kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was interesting was that it, it added Fabio's art just kind of added a whole new layer to it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where things that were you know in the script might have come off over the top is played so straight that it adds this other element of almost like dark humor to it. Sure. So, so it was kind of, it was interesting. We found an interesting balance and, you know, we adjusted the script along the way and to like fit his needs. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, the one uh, that we're doing the next one for Kickstarter was actually that one. I I specifically wrote that one with him in mind. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, So it's been a lot of fun working with him. And and speaking of that, I mean, could you tell us a little bit about what the new Monster Matador series is all about? Yes. The, so we're doing – so one of the things about Kickstarter that always drives me nuts is – and we started – we did Tangle the Matadors. We started in June 2020. We released all three issues within just a little over a year and three months or so. Mm-hmm. So we got them out pretty quick, you know. But it's, it's kind of like uh, – it's tough, you know, the weight and then doing Kickstarters is like, it's brutal, you know, it's like as a creator and I really didn't want to do like three Kickstarters a year. Sure. So sure. Um, this next one is actually a six, a self-contained uh, 64 page one shot. And gotcha. what's nice about that is you get the book, you get the story. It's a nice thick 64 pages. You don't have to wait to the next one, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a done in one. And it's actually winds up at least for the backers, it winds up being cheaper in cost than it would to back three, four separate issues. Gotcha. So you get gotcha. more value, more bang for your buck. Anyway, this one is called Afropocalypse and in it, the matador is recruited uh, to travel to South Africa to join a, uh, a team of kaiju killers from around the world mm-hmm. to fight an ancient evil that has uh, that has risen to find and fight it in uh, in the South African forest. And this this ancient evil, what it does, it kind of infects uh, people and animals, and it turns them into zombies. So uh, it's basically predator meets zombies. Right. 
Right. You know, which, <laughs> I mean, with with big Austrian slash German guys in with, tow and everything. Yeah, it's yeah, we did. Uh, so it's funny that uh, so there's two monster fighters called Hans and Schrader mm-hmm. and uh, Schrader. They're basically Hans and Franz, but, you know, action heroes. <laughs> right, and, right. And and Schrader is if you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but with the mind of Werner Herzog, mm-hmm. that's kind of what he's his angle he's based on and um they're actually based on uh the creators of another comic book called baby badass uh david trader <laughs> and christian horn whose middle name is hans oh and I see. <laughs> uh david david and i uh were tabling together at a convention and i was he was telling me about the creation of uh of baby badass with with christian and uh it was one of those things where the name Hans and Schrader popped into my head mm-hmm. and we just started making fun of it like Hans and Franz. And it was like, Hey, wouldn't it be funny if I put you guys, you know, as like, <laughs> you know, and it just, it just took off. It just took off from there. So that, that was a lot of fun to kind of, um, you know, throw them in there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough to get a little bit of a preview of this book, which is really interesting because it felt like there was a more, you know, with a bigger team, it mm-hmm. kind of changes the way that the book felt compared to the previous three issues. Mm-hmm. What was your thought process in going into this book and saying, I want to do like a, I don't want to say like typical action, like Hunter thing, like, but like yeah, you mentioned yeah, Predator, no, but yeah, like, yeah. what was your thought process in like changing the direction instead of making it a solo book? So I, w- one of the things is, you know, you don't want to fall into the trap of it being kind of like, okay, what's the monster of the week that the matador goes and fights? Sure, sure. Part of the fun with this is like, I, I've set this thing where each one is going to be a little different. So this one, it was interesting to see kind of like the the matador work in a team dynamic with a bunch of like, you know, they're all A types and they're all kind of leaders, you know? Sure, sure. So it just brings this this tension between everybody Mm -hmm. and they're just kind of like, they're all, they're all kind of like, you know, fighting, not fighting physically or amongst each other, but, but it's, it's fun to kind of watch him kind of squirm a little and kind of like how to navigate not being like the top guy. Right. So, so it's just, it, it, it just it, and, and it gives you more a bit more of a sense of his character. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the type of person he is and whatnot, but it really is just to kind of like, I want readers, I don't want readers to kind of go, oh, it's another monster matador. He's going to go to town and fight the monster by himself. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I want pe- people to be like, oh, okay, I wonder what, what's the scenario that he's going to do next? You know, what's, what's coming next? And I think we've already, we've already, I've already written the next one. And, and in that one, the kind of like thematically, he has to like face his greatest fear. Oh, okay. So okay. there's, there's, you know, so, so it's kind of, it's finding, it's, it's, it's finding themes, finding things to like, kind of just keep it fresh for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one, one of the interesting things about this one about Afropocalypse is that I actually wrote it. I was kind of halfway writing it just as the lockdowns for COVID hit. Oh, jeez. And, um, <laughs> and in all honesty, as I was writing, like, I, I kind of had a feeling where I was going with it, but I didn't quite have the monster yet right sure sure i didn't didn't quite have it like because i didn't want to do again i didn't want to do the typical oh let's find the hidden temple or whatever and you know here's the monster and uh covid kind of influenced it so it the question was how does the matador essentially fight a virus right which is basically what zombies are which is where they come from 
fighting mm-hmm. a virus. So how, how do you essentially kill something that you can't even see? I mean, we'll have to find out by supporting yeah, the Kickstarter and seeing how that all turns out. out. You know, you know. I mean, there, there's, don't worry. It's not like he's not fighting like, you know, he's not like slashing at the wind or whatever. It, it, the last half of the comic is him just in a laboratory, right? With a bunch of other <laughs> yeah, scientists. That yeah, sounds yeah. total yeah. change of pace. Yeah. But it, it's more to the sense of, you know, like, up, you know, he he fought in the first one this kind of giant fly, which you can go, okay, you kill the fly, right? Right. How do you kill something where it's not necessarily clear how you kill it? Mm-hmm. And and that's part of the fun of like, okay, like you know how it like it does start off like that kind of like man on a mission movie, you know? But mm-hmm. then you kind of go, wait a minute, how's he actually going to beat this thing? How's he going to beat this thing that is almost like this existential threat, you know, that goes beyond just like being a monster, you know? All the more to look forward to with this in this volume. I mean, speaking speaking of that or this this new issue, I guess. What kind of so for folks that are interested, we want to back this this thing on Kickstarter. What kind of rewards can they look forward to? We provided everything goes fantastic and you guys get fully funded. Well, it will. <laughs> okay. So um, every every reward uh, every reward, you know, obviously you get the um, for if you get the physical, you get the digital versions of everything. For the physical, every every physical reward is going to come with a press photo. And oh. we've got this really cool image that was done by Fabio and his colorist, um, Edson Ferreira, who um, they worked on a book called Banjax together, uh, which run, which uh, won a Ringo Award. And they also do another Kickstarter book called The Jump. Um, we have a special uh, movie poster uh, version, a variant cover. And this is our this is our value tier. It's tw- uh, it's twenty five bucks. You get the sixty four page one shot with the variant cover uh, by Tony Donnelly. You get a book plate that's signed by me, by Tony, by David Schrader, by Christian Horn, and by Ryland Grant, who is um, another uh, comic book writer who is uh, who's in the story. And you get a, an uh, uh, an eleven by seventeen movie poster of the cover. Very nice. Very nice. And then we have, you know, we have some uh, limited uh, original art rewards. Uh, We have catch up rewards where you can get the original series, uh, Tangle the Matadors. And then Kickstarter now has um, an add on store. Mm -hmm. So to make it just simple for people, you know, we basically the main rewards are basically the books and the catch up. Um, We have uh, in the in the um in the add-on store, we have uh, a few uh, limited edition variant covers left from Tangle the Matadors. We have a limited edition foil cover of Tangle Number One, which we only printed twenty-five of. Oh, nice! Uh, we have a nine by twelve glow-in-the-dark print, which was printed by Nakatomi Print Labs, uh, which you can get. So there's there's a lot of stuff, but um, you know our focus is always on. The rewards are great, but like, you know, the book is the thing and we want to, you know, of course. Um, so, yeah, no, that's it. That's exciting. I mean, yeah. I, I do appreciate, you know, when kicks some, some Kickstarters go, they're just like, hey, it's the base book. That's all you're going to get. But, you know, sometimes those extra rewards are, are, are pretty cool, especially with the add on store thing. I think that's been like a really cool feature um, for Kickstarter to try to like branch out without having to lock things in in a weird way, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's. It, it's been great, like you know, like you said, because like sometimes, like I remember, I think on the second campaign and the first campaign, you're just scrolling through all the rewards because exactly, you know, and it's just too much. So it's it, it, it's nice now because it's basically you want the book, great. You want the catch up, great. You want you know, 
the original art, great, you know, and so it's, 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 it's a lot easier to navigate. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess my, my last question for you, not exactly about the Kickstarter, but it's about comics in general. And yeah, you know, I'm always curious to know, we have folks on the show, uh, what kind of comics are you into or what have you been reading recently that has really gotten you excited about comic books? I love, I, I'm really lucky that a lot of my friends make great comics. Yeah, yeah. Rylan Grant, again, is a good friend of mine. Uh, he's doing a book with Source Point Press called um, Suicide Jockeys, mm-hmm. which I think is on issue two right now. And it's it's awesome. It's, it's, it's like a time travel uh, action movie. Um, I'm not selling it very good here, but I don't, I don't have the solicit solicitation copy in front of me. Um, I've been reading, I've been, I've been rereading, um, the Chris Claremont X-Men stuff. Very nice. Very nice. I, I love anything by Alejandro, uh, Jodorowsky. Mm. He just, Titan just put out a book by him and I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but I, I literally just read it. And, uh, I, I love going like to the store and just like buying random stuff. When I, when I was a kid, I was not allowed to read comics. Oh, okay. <laughs> so up until this is like through like the eighties up until like, like I was a little older, I, I started getting into them when, uh, uh, the, you know, uh, around when image, like when Jim Lee was on X-Men and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I would always, as a kid, I would always see these like ads or like for like, Marvel comics from the eighties. So I, I, I read tons of just old, like Marvel stuff, especially from the eighties to like, <laughs> like, like liter- literally <laughs> anything to play catch up, like right, even, right. even stuff that's like, it's terrible or whatever, but there's some really cool stuff. That, right. I mean, there's always gems. I mean, like yeah. Chris Claremont wrote so many comics, like they can't all be winners. I get yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's, it's fun. I love like all these new, uh, you know, they're putting everything in omnibus. Mm, yeah and it's i i just love these like going through like you know you just get everything in one big book which is nice i mean i gotta wonder how do you read those books though i think this is a debate that we have on the show because we know a handful of people that buy those omnibuses everybody's got a different situation do you have like a lectern at home that you walk up to and open the book with like a ruler and stuff (laughs) so some of them some of them are manageable okay sure sure but yes some of them i'm like okay yeah i I, i've actually been considering buying one if i could just figure out where to put it (laughs) right because i like i literally like it's been, I don't even know when it came out, probably last year, the uh, New Mutants Omnibus. Oh, yeah. It's freaking massive. It's humongous. It's huge. And I'm like, I, I want to read it, but I'm like, man, I, I can't put this thing on my lap, you know? Right. And I don't want to be hunched over a table on a flat service. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got I to gotta figure something out. They, that, that is the one thing is like once they get over a certain n- number of pages, like DC, I think they did, DC, uh, went a little crazy they did like the entire invisibles yeah and that was just like it's not even like you can't even read that on a lectern it's like <laughs> like you imagine the pages there's so many pages in that thing that like they would just be creased together even yeah, if it was open all the it, way and right it, and it weighs like a it's got to weigh like 150 pounds it's just like <laughs> you can't even you can't even pick it up and bring it to the lectern without pulling a muscle right or like you know shifting a vertebrae or something like that so <laughs> 
Well, 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 once there's a solution out there, you know, I'll make sure to get in touch with you when someone <laughs> yeah, has please. figured out how we're going to do this. Please do. Um, but uh, I, no, that yeah. sounds great. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I love the X-Men. So like, I totally get wanting to go back and read a bunch of Claremont stuff and everything. But uh, I guess to wrap things up here, where can people find you on the internet and where can they find Monster Matador? You can find Monster Matador right now on Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, but in, in all seriousness, uh, you check out the Kickstarter. You can go to monstermatador.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, under Monster Matador. So just look up Monster Matador comic. You know, I've I've got a I've got a corner on the name, <laughs> which is which is a good thing because uh, it's not Monster Matador zero five six eight nine. You know, whatever. <laughs> right, that's a totally you trustworthy know, yeah. Facebook domain. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, the next guy's gonna have to deal with that. But no, right, um, so right. yeah, you can find us just um, we're Monster Matador on Facebook, all social media. Um, and then uh, monstermatter.com. And uh, if you if you mention I read comics, I'll uh, I'll send in a I'll, I'll make a note of this today. But I'll I'll send you um, and, and you back the book. I'll send you a uh, an MP4 of our uh, our theme song. Oh snap! Well, and, everybody, uh, that, and, that and, should and, be and enough. It's, and it's like it's not like Monster Matador. He fights the monsters. You know, <laughs> it's 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 a it's like if you love like kind of like. 80s metal type of thing it's it's uh you'll love it um if you watch the kickstarter video in the trailer it's in the mm-hmm. trailer so you'll you'll get a taste of it and uh I'll, I'll throw in a um whatever it is a digital file of that for for everyone who mentions i read comics awesome well i, I appreciate you doing that that's fantastic yeah, yeah. um well yeah everybody make sure to go check out the a monster matador i'll put all the links in the show notes in case you didn't you know catch them by ear and uh steven thank you so much uh, for for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you reaching out to us and uh, best of luck with the Kickstarter. I'm fingers crossed. I can't wait to support you guys. Everybody out there, make sure you mention I read comic books as you, you know, make your big backer kit survey and stuff like that. So, um, or when you support the Kickstarter, sorry, my brain is jumbled, but uh, thank you again, Steve. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about comics and pairing them with tea. For this week's show, I basically know nothing about tea other than sometimes you go to a coffee shop and say, I'd like an iced tea. Or you go to, you know, a gas station or a convenience store and you pick up like a green tea or something like that. I really genuinely don't know much about it. So Kate and Kara were like, Mike, let's educate you. And more <laughs> specifically, Kate mailed both Kara and I like these little care packages that came with a bunch of tea in them. Um, honestly, the coolest little package I've gotten in a Wait long a time, and I buy stupid amounts of things on the internet. Yeah, Mike, did you get a tiny thermometer with yours so your water could be the right I temperature? I did. I thought that I thought that that like fell out of a cupboard into no, the box. No, <laughs> no. So I I showed my mom this box of tea with Kate's like delightful handwritten care instructions on tea bags that yeah. didn't have an outer wrapping, and my mom was like, "Does she?" have a tea company i'm like no mom some pe- <laughs> times people just do nice things for each other right so you know what kate i i want you to just like just go hard on this explain to us like where this t- this topic came from and maybe give us a little bit of a breakdown about how tea works because honestly <laughs> i i feel like i tried really hard this past week i still don't fully understand like, all of it 
Mike, I have to tell you, everything you said about tea belonging in gas stations made me want to cry. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, that's what I'm, this is what I'm saying. I think the only like quote unquote authentic tea I've had is like at restaurants. Sometimes they'll bring you nice little teapots. Like if you go get dim sum and they give you the the, the tea and stuff like that. Like okay. maybe that's like the only authentic tea I've ever had. I don't know. Oh what God. is authenticity? <laughs> is anything real if it's prepackaged? I mean, come on. Okay. Kate, tell us about tea, please, please. I don't know the answer to that question, but um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I don't know how I got into tea. I think the same friend that got me into coffee and like good cooking got me into tea as well years and years ago. And then it's just like the thing that I can usually find on vacation to support like the small store in this little nowhere town or something, sure. you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. But um, I actually had a hard time finding loose leaf tea in Grand Rapids when I moved here. It was like weirdly difficult. And now that I know where to find it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course it would be at this store. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I first got here, I was like, no one has loose leaf tea. Um, And it turns out that if you go to a coffee shop, sometimes they will have loose leaf tea. Or if a place Mm -hmm. is like a grocery store, but it's actually called like a market, that's a really good tip off that they're going to be cool (laughs) enough to have loose leaf tea. Midwest is wild, yo. Like, this is crazy stuff. Um, I Okay, so um, the the package that I sent to Mike and Kara had a variety of like black tea, green tea, and herbal teas. And these types of tea are going to have different like recommended temperatures of, of your water and then a brew time. So like black tea, you can just boil the water and then mm-hmm. it's like steep a two teaspoons of loose leaf tea and a cup of water for like five minutes. And then it kind of from there, the delicacy of the tea changes. So like white teas, you'll want to steep in, in for less time in less hot water. And then Uh-oh. you get down to like a green tea. What was that, Mike? <laughs> I said, uh-oh, because I don't think I followed any of these instructions correctly. There, you know what, Mike? If it makes you feel better, I have been drinking tea for the majority of my life, and I only learned about correct temperatures when I was out in California, and uh, some of my colleagues insisted that we got tea water boiler where you can select the temperature that the water is warm to. So I was very much an adult when I learned that tea has correct temperatures. I think, again, in America, that's a new thing. I think before the last, you know, especially this this episode prep, I think I was mostly just buying tea from like the grocery store, like in in pre-made bottles. So let's that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) But it's so cheap to make on your own. Yeah, I mean, there's so much tea that you can just go to like the the tea and coffee section at the grocery store and just get like the nice pack, like prepackaged stuff from from um, stash or sure, 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 sure. And that's all good too. I mean, I I just like the loose leaf because I can change the amount of tea that I'm making at a time, and I'm not stuck with like the one one bag. <laughs> right, right. And then I can also kind of like throw my own blends together. Not that I really have gotten into that, but. So this, so this all came together, right? Like, so you sent us these bags, of, these packages of tea, and the goal was for at least for me, I don't know for Kara as well, to to drink some of these and try to like associate them with some some comics. I guess I'm, I just want to make sure we we get to the the end of this bit. Yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so we this is a this was my episode topic idea because Kate and I were on the schedule and Mike, you said, what do you want to talk about? And we were like, ah, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We like tea and 
being cozy and Halloween and mm-hmm. accompanying reading material with hot beverages that <laughs> create the cozy vibes. So we realized that we could probably do an episode where we talk about comics that we would read, particularly around Halloween, and what types of tea we might pair with those comics to create a multi-sensory experience of reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. So I struggled with uh, the homework, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it's it's really bizarre because I don't typically associate like doing anything along with comics other than reading comics. Like maybe maybe listening to music rarely, sometimes maybe drinking something, but usually I like cut up disappear everything in the world away from me except for the comic because I think there's just this this broken frag or piece in my mind where like I used to read physical singles and I'm like I can't touch anything wet I can't touch anything that's going to leave <laughs> residue on my fingers I want to make sure that my hands are clean because I don't want to you know tarnish this physical medium that I've got and I still have that when I read especially when I read manga because the paper is so porous um, it can you know even if your fingers are just a little bit wet you can end up with like a mark on the pages and stuff so like this was a, a an extreme challenge for me um oh. Which I, I found interesting because I did get to try some teas. Some I liked, some I didn't. Um, but I guess, Kate, do you remember all of the teas that you gave us? Do you maybe want to walk us through a little bit what, what you gave us? Um, if you give me a minute, I can because I took a picture. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Right, hold on a second. I had started my list of Halloween reads prior to receiving Kate's wonderful box. So I did have some mm-hmm. some pairing recommendations that were not included in the magical tea selection. <laughs> but, okay. Okay. Um, so like one of the first ones that came to mind um, for me, because when I think October, I'm like, man, I just want to reread Hellboy. And uh, for me, that suggests the tea pairing of Lapsang Sushang, which is, <laughs> um, I described in my notes as the scotch of teas because okay. it's, it's a black tea. Um, so when you steep it, the, the water gets like a very dark brown or, black and the lapsing sushang preparation is that it is actually smoked so when you're drinking that tea you do have a smoky aroma which your mileage may vary depending on if you like your things to be smoked or not um but for me like thinking like oh Hellboy. Well, I could I could drink scotch while reading Hellboy, but then I wouldn't get very far. Or I can drink some Lapsang Sushang, still have the smoky aroma that reminds me of like traversing the moors in search of monsters to punch or being in hell. <laughs> so, right, right. Like, <laughs> being in hell. <laughs> yes, wait, wait. Hell at it, one is, point. Isn't tea supposed to like? make you feel chilled out and stuff like why would you want to drink a tea that's going to make you feel like you're in hell smoky fire brimstone it's atmospheric mike okay 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 (laughs) mentally i am in hell right now um so (laughs) kate were you able to find that that, yeah aesthetically yeah kate did you were you able to find that list i did and you're right i sent you a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) yeah I, I unfortunately I didn't wasn't able to get through all of it, but what I did get through, I have thoughts on. So, Kate, with the the selection that you sent us, did you have were you just sending us things that you liked, things that you felt were more fall ish? Like, what was your process? 
I sent you guys, I wanted to make sure that you you got a black tea, a green tea, a white tea, and an herbal tea, which is pretty much, pretty much like covers all of the, the kinds of tea. Um, and then, yes, I did send multiple different like spiced teas because when I think fall, I think spiced tea. Okay. So okay. what I sent, okay, do you want me to list them off? It's going to be a yeah. minute. <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This is like, this is our Scott Pilgrim moment. All yeah, right. Let's go for it. So I sent a spiced chai, which is a black tea. Sweet and spicy from Good Earth, which is an herbal tea. Chamomile and lemongrass from a mod tea, which is herbal. Um, white rose, which is from Numi, and that's a white tea. Orange spice, also from Numi. Um, I think that that one was also a white tea. And then we've got a whole bunch of teas from the Great Lakes Tea and Spice Company in Michigan. Sunshine ginger, which is herbal. Holiday spice, which is a black tea. Goji berry green tea, one of my favorites. That's a green tea. And then finally, um, harvest blend herbal tea from Trader Joe's. Mm. Okay. Classic. Okay. I just finished a box of that. See, I only I think I only drank three of those teas, unfortunately. I That's okay, Mike. I don't we drink don't have a lot all day. of tea. I know well that's the thing. I don't drink a lot of tea. I kept having to set reminders in my phone to say, like, drink some tea. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept, I kept skipping it. Like, I don't think that that's the idea with tea. You're supposed to drink tea to kind of chill out. And instead, I was like putting all this pressure on my mind. So like I was already setting myself up for failure. Aww. But uh, no, it, the teas that I did drink, though, were pretty good. One of the spice teas, I could not even get through the whole cup because it was so gingery. Aww. It was like hurting my tongue. But I think I also might have steeped it too long. I don't know if that has any effect yeah. on the flavor yes, or the spice of it. Yes. Okay. Okay. I think that might have been my problem. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like, as I was drinking some of the teas, like, there was one that I was like, this is very good. I, I've never had a tea where I've wanted to actually put milk in it before. Mm. Um, I'm not typically that type of person. Like, I usually drink, like, like black coffee and, like, just plain everything. I don't like sweeteners in my life or something. But yeah, this uh, there was this spiced tea that you sent over that was in, like, a red container. I found the picture earlier. I don't know what happened to it that I wanted to almost put milk in just because I felt like it would add even more to the flavor. Uh, but we don't typically keep milk in the house. So I, I didn't, but it was very good. I mean, and I, it made me think like when I see people in comics, reading tea or reading tea, drinking tea, that tea in particular gave me um, that feeling that I think you get from like the cozy look that you can see in comics. Excellent. That's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> you could read tea. Um, that's just, a kind oh, of right. fortune telling. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, how how do you guys normally like I guess when you're thinking of tea, like Carrie, you kind of gave an example. Kate, do you have an example of like a tea that you would pair with a comic? Yeah. When Kara first suggested this topic, she was like, What is your Halloween comic and tea pairing? So for me, I think what it, what is a cozy comic that is Halloween themed that I want to that I want to read and snuggle up in a blanket and maybe drink some hot tea with. And it's pumpkin heads by rainbow Rowell. Um, okay. Okay. It's just a nice book. Like it's just a nice story. (laughs) There's it's low risk. I mean, um, (laughs) it makes you feel cozy. (laughs) There's not a lot of plot. All right. I don't, (laughs) Um, It, it is a sweet book. Yeah. And, um, so I, I would like to drink, uh, uh, an, a cinnamon herbal blend, um, with pumpkin heads and that's one of the reasons that i sent you so many spiced teas and spiced blends was okay that's that's kind of what i was going for is just a something that is that is extra warm tasting as well as being like a warmer um beverage mm-hmm. so i thought 
uh, one of the books that I think of when I think of Halloween season is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is returning. There are going to be more issues finally. Sure. Um, but that's sure. Is... Whatever you say, Kara. <laughs> I am just <laughs> telling you what the Archie comics solicit say. <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe a word coming out of your mouth. No. <laughs> so Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is a. Yeah. A darker horror comic that is like very creepy and very um like dealing with a lot of the like beware the shadows around you because you don't know what terrible things might be lurking in them so um i was thinking of what would go with that and i was like well just the most herbal blend you can possibly imagine from your local farmers market witches and then in all caps i wrote taste the woods (laughs) (laughs) i have a bunch of loose leaf herbal teas that i've accumulated over the years that always say something like earth grounding or like just anything that has just such an absurd blend of herbs that when you smell it you're like ah yes the outdoors do i want it in my mouth unsure let's find out because <laughs> sometimes with herbal teas you drink them and you're just like ah yes the plants i drink them <laughs> so, oh my but like that's the kind of thing that would work well with a horror comic like sabrina where you're just like am i is a local witch poisoning me with this unsure let me keep going and find out no because again creating an atmosphere to double down on what you're reading Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, this is this is really interesting because I I'm trying to like I don't really have a lot of experience with different teas, obviously. So I'm trying I was thinking about like what comics do I think give off the vibes of drinking tea, right? When I think of the idea of drinking tea. Sure. Uh, maybe I don't have the flavors in mind, but like I was thinking about I've Obviously, Witch Hat Atelier, there's just a coziness to that book. I mean, we can talk about it a million times on the show, but I'll move on. Um, there's a series called Bug Boys that I really like. Um, this is Laura uh, Nets. I, I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Laura something. And um, that book is really just like wholesome. And there's a lot of really nice moments between like the two Beatles that are the main characters of the series, Stag B and... <laughs> what is i'm forgetting everybody's name right now because i'm too excited to talk about it but yeah there there are the you know this these characters that just traverse the world kind of exploring and there's just a lot of wholesomeness to it that makes the book really nice um and i could definitely see like there's a moment where they go hang out with the spider and i think they drink like cocoa and tea with the spider Aww. and uh it's just kind of a nice little moment and that's what i you know would recommend that book along with probably drinking some tea if you're looking for a nice just like sit down series to read and another one that i was thinking of was oh human star which is about like a future world full of robots and stuff and technology but there's like a there's some wholesome moments in that book and ultimately it comes down to is there a wholesome moment in this book um therefore you can drink tea with it but books where there's like a you know a lot of like outdoor things where you're exposed to the to the elements of the world and then you come inside and you sit and like if there's a moment in the book where the characters are like resting from being exposed out in the world, I think like, yeah, we could drink tea along with that um, to kind of get that same vibe that's happening in the book. Because like I also listed V for Vendetta, which is not a series that's uh, would be tea related. But in my mind, I think there are moments where you see V and he's like 
being a the, the the house husband for a moment as he's like making food and he's being like a not crazy psychopath who wants to destroy britain and you could maybe drink tea as you listen to him ramble about his his political philosophies and stuff but i don't know does does that fit to what you guys were thinking or is this like a, a personal preference kind of thing no it's like you said you're kind of matching the the feeling of okay how do i how do i create a feeling of of coming in from the storm and mm-hmm. a, a hot beverage is a, a surefire way of doing that kate i did have a question for you did you send us a chamomile because of the tea dragon society <laughs> i i've had this um lemongrass tea actually in my collection for a long time but i didn't have enough to send you like i had like two bags of it left so i actually started looking for lemongrass tea online and this was the only one that i could find that wasn't just like it was it was one ingredient at the end of a long list of ingredients so the reason that you have a chamomile and lemongrass tea is because i wanted a lemongrass tea (laughs) oh and it's just nice i mean it's just like it's so calming i'll have to try that also the added bonus of being like tea dragon society because the the featured tea dragon in that is a chamomile tea dragon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's a delightful coincidence i'd completely forgotten about that but you're 100 percent correct <laughs> <laughs> um i also enjoyed my concepts for swamp thing um which is definitely <laughs> part of the the atmosphere that i wish to convey i will preface this by saying that i have never actually read swamp thing so how dare you <laughs> But from what others have told me about their experience of reading Swamp Thing. So this is like Mike is guessing what people want when they're thinking of tea pairings. I am guessing what people want when they read Swamp Thing. (laughs) So here's my description. Whatever you're drinking, you forgot about it a hundred pages ago. And now it's cold, but you keep forgetting it's cold. And then when you take a sip, you wince at how gross it is. But you keep reading and wind sipping through the sludge. Bonus points if you accidentally left the tea bag steeping and the bottom of the cup is 90% silt. I, you know, I didn't know that you hadn't read Swamp Thing when I read that in our notes. And I was like, she's read Swamp Thing. Yes! <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I mean, I think our campaign for 2022 will be get Kara to read Saga of Swamp Thing. Um, I feel. I mean, I think that's going to be one of my challenges for next year as well. But still, I feel like Swamp Thing would pair with like Kara. Have you ever had a gunpowder green tea? Oh, not in a really long time. Yeah, it's. I actually don't really like it, which is not true of Swamp Thing. I enjoy Swamp Thing, but gunpowder Uh green is like. It's almost got like this. This hard flavor to it for being a green tea um okay and it's kind of like a smokiness and i don't know just the tone of this darker green tea really matches in my brain with the darker tone of swamp thing in the green swamp (laughs) yeah i was when we were thinking swamp when you said swamp thing i was thinking like yerba mate like tea because i've had that before and that's like it's like put the tea directly into your veins level of caffeine because when i was younger in college i was like what can i do that's not just six energy drinks a day oh two liters of yerba mate tea that sounds healthy right um the answer is anything in surplus quantities is not good for you yeah um but yeah i I used to drink yerba mate like by the liter um in a sitting because i wanted just that caffeine in my body in my body my in my body um and it was a (laughs) It was a whole thing. So like I guess my 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 familiarity is a little bit 
I guess, skewed that direction. I used to drink usually when I drink tea in general, it's a green tea. Um, but I because I used to drink this high caffeine yerba mate tea. Um, but I did have a question about matcha. Yeah. Uh, what? How? What is it? And how does it exactly exist? Because it how feels like it? matcha is like a. It's so foamy. It's like a different thing. It, when I think of matcha tea, I don't think of the same as like a black tea or a green tea or an herbal tea or whatever. It's like its own thing. And I know that there's like a special way that they make it in Japan and stuff. And, um, but it's so much more frothier and stuff. Like what, how does that like factor in and compare to other things? Yeah. Matcha has a very, like you said, specific, um, like boiling point preparation style. Uh, Mm Um, my general exposure to matcha is through like matcha lattes at places like starbucks where you're like i know this isn't the real thing but it's the most convenient version of it (laughs) yeah Um, yeah but yeah it's more of like a toasted flavor yes like like a toasty flavor um whether you're getting it like frothed in a latte or um just by itself like i did get a box of matcha tea Um, And immediately became intimidated by the preparation instructions. So I view that one as more like, this is a treat when I have this specific toasty craving. Right, 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 right. I mean, because Kelly and I, when we went to Japan, you could buy matcha, but there's like a whole preparation process for it. And we like we went to... We we, we went to Kyoto and there was like all sorts of matcha stuff because I think Kyoto is where like matcha is hailed from or something. I don't don't remember. Sorry if I'm wrong about that. But... Yeah, it was it's really interesting because it felt like there was matcha and everything and they bake it into all sorts of different food and, and sweets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also there was a bunch of different teas that you could get that were just like of the matcha variety. Um, so I was curious to know if you if you guys knew that. But Kara, you said you paired that with something like what's what's a or you paired it with mooncakes, but not not matcha itself. Right. Yeah. Moon, like thinking about mooncakes, I was thinking oh maybe matcha maybe a green tea and then i remember that i have a huge box of sencha green tea in my closet that i was gifted um a while ago and i thought ooh, sencha because mm-hmm. when i think of sencha green tea i think of that as more robust than matcha like matcha has a very uh, like a lighter flavor because actually the the matcha is a is a powdered tea and mm-hmm. sencha is um you're actually doing like the full leaves. So there is going to be a more robust flavor because um, the the leaf has like a more like more steepage. So kind of what you were saying, right. like, oh, maybe I, I steeped this too long and that's why it was intense and I didn't like it. Probably. <laughs> that's probably what happened. <laughs> OK. Um, OK. So so Sencha felt like a more robust green tea choice for enjoying with the comic mooncakes which when i think of mooncakes i'm like monsters but also excellent food (laughs) Mm -hmm, what might mm -hmm. go with food like matcha i think of more of like having it on its own because it is a more delicate flavor and sencha i'm like sencha could stand up to pastry Mm -hmm. we could do that is all of this is all of this just going over your head because you don't have a frame of reference mike no i i i get I get some of it, right? Like, I think I've tried most of these teas before. Like, you know, Kate, like, you've, you've got a couple of the things listed that I, I was curious about that I, I just wanted to hear you talk about. Because I think, like, ultimately what we're coming down here is, like, if there's a comic with a specific vibe, you can probably find a tea for that vibe. It, especially, like, Kate, you've got a couple of the weird ones on your list, or at least one weird <laughs> oh one God. on your list that I want to hear you talk about. Which which one? <laughs> which is 
witches. witches? How do you okay. find a comic to go with that horror comic? Okay, so for some reason, whenever I think anything that is that is kind of action heavy that's got kind of like a like a tension to it i think i have to drink black tea with this which doesn't really make that much sense in my head because you would think that you would want like a more calming tea so that your heart rate isn't like 120 beats per minute while you're sitting on the couch but i yeah, can't why are you doubling down on the caffeine yeah. bus <laughs> i can't drink something that's cozy like come like that that is an herbal tea or a green tea or a white tea that is like like subtle and read like a like a horror comic or even something um like abbott um for witches and and abbott i think i have to drink black tea with this like this is just these just go together like i (laughs) I see your argument on my toes (laughs) and my counter argument is that i would not drink or eat anything with witches because i learned (laughs) a long time ago that i am very susceptible to like the food memory being entwined with a horrifying story um when i was I when i was eight or nine i read the junior novelization of the cask of amontillado while eating um croissants from the local grocery store and i had to stop eating croissants for a really long time because every time i ate a croissant i thought about this dude who was bricking up another dude to murder him so oh no <laughs> so with witches i'm like <laughs> i already know that shit fucks me up i don't want to ruin right. any food for that and for the record we are talking about the the witches series by jock and snot and scott snyder so um yeah it's it's very on on brand for this you know end of october episode but uh yeah you know i really quick i guess before we we wrap up here um i do want to say that i was thinking about some things like i drank some teas and i maybe i could pair them with like girl from the other side squirrel girl sweet tooth i even said like you could you could pair some teas with that but i was also thinking like other drinks and what i would pair with them and this is this is just my own personal thoughts so like you know say think what you will but most superhero books all i can think of is drinking like a diet coke or like a cola or something that's just kind of like not good but also a a drink that you can have that you just could drink in excess quantity and it doesn't even matter um because it doesn't it doesn't matter like it just doesn't taste great but it doesn't taste bad like i like a good diet coke or a coke every once in a while um but that's what i think of most superhero books um I was thinking for for criminal like I like, you know, I love the criminal series by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, um, but I would drink a PBR and maybe some scotch or maybe like a shot of Jameson and then a PBR afterwards as I'm drinking, you know, reading through criminal Mike. probably the same goes for the fade out. But, you know, <laughs> that I mean, I don't know. I, I also was like thinking reading the book spinning. <laughs> I was like, I would just drink a bottle of Cabernet um, because that book is depressing, um, but oh, also no. too like a, really real um, at the same time. But like, I think it would work the more you drink over as that book goes on and it kind of like gets a little uplifting at the end. You'd maybe smile and cry at the same time because, yeah, it's is, spinning. That book is on my to read pile, Mike. Am I just it's good? Sad no, now? No, 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 it's no, 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 no. It's by far not like a depressing book. But I mean, like drinking a glass of wine with it probably wouldn't hurt, I guess. Okay. Um noted <laughs> uh mega hex is a book that's on my list and i would just say drink absinthe with it um i'm not going to recommend doing any other harder drugs <laughs> though it's heavily <laughs> implied that that's something you could do while you you um read that book but yeah i would probably drink like an absinthe or something really bizarre while i'm reading that book because that book is any of the mega hex books are way out there 
Um, and then the last one I had on my list was the X-Men Grand Design. This is the Ed Pisker book. Um, and I would say drinking rum and Coke is probably the best like medicine for this book, if only because uh, if you're going to get through that entire very dense book, you might need something to kind of loosen up your brain afterwards. And a rum and Coke might be able to do that for you. Is X-Men Grand Design a Halloween pick, Mike? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I'm not saying any of these are really Halloween picks here. I was just thinking about like pairing drinks with other things. And sure, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> this is what came to mind. That's fair. That's fair. My closing question is, is Paper Girls a Halloween comic? Because it takes place on Halloween. Paper Girls is like a fall aesthetic comic in general. I think you could read that from September 21st through the end of Thanksgiving. And that book would super work. Okay. I paired that one with Irish breakfast tea, which is a stronger, darker, maltier version of English breakfast tea. And I figured if mm-hmm. you're waking up for a paper route and don't drink coffee, you need a brick of caffeine to the face. So this yes. one. <laughs> Absolutely. Also um, fall vibes. <laughs> uh, well, Kate, any any last thoughts from you? I mean, you, you helped put a lot of this together. I mean, you sent us freaking tea in the mail, which I really appreciate, <laughs> by the way, with the little thermometer and everything. Um, so what are what are your final thoughts on this whole put together thing? Um, I, I've just been noticing this kind of rise in tea being relevant to pop culture in the last couple Mm -hmm. of years. I don't know if it's because I'm into tea and so I notice it or if it's, if it's always been there, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's a prose book called Under the Whispering Door by TJ Klune. That's, that's kind of all about tea, a tea house and a reaper, um, and a, a guide into the afterlife. Um, the show Goblin that's, that's from Korea, Uncle Iroh and the Avatar series was really into tea mm-hmm. and the Monk and Robot series that are prose books and the author's escaping me right now, but beautiful novella series that's all about a tea monk um, that helps you like kind of like a therapist, but they show tea monks show up in town and give you tea to help you solve your problems. Kind of all about like reflection. You sit and drink some tea and reflect on your life and how you're going to navigate a problem. Um, so I don't know, just, just tea, tea being a way to kind of gather your thoughts and, and take some time for yourself has just like kind of become a, a pop culture thing. And I think it's yeah, nice. more so in the West recently, I think definitely. I think, I mean, tea, I think is very, very important in a lot of other cultures, right? Beyond the United States. And I think you're, I totally agree with you though. Like it, we've seen a big rise in it, I think over the last like decade or so, um, as more and more characters become like synonymous with tea or like tea becomes an important part of a story in some way. Um, and Uncle Iroh is the, of course, the the big one that I think of from Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, like I think you sent a video um, you posted a video in, in our notes for this week about like how to get into like some of the basics of tea and understanding where tea comes from. And a lot of the comments in the uh, on that YouTube post were like, oh, Uncle Iroh is the reason I started drinking tea in the first place. Oh. I think is super awesome. So um, next up in the I read comic books merchandise shop, our custom blend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to have Kate curate us a custom blend of tea that we can we <laughs> can send out to people. I can try. <laughs> Listen, hey, you know, it's we're going to figure it out. Well, yeah, I guess that that's it for the show. I really I really appreciate you you putting this all together both of you. I mean, and and trying to educate me. Um despite the 6 years on this show, I every every week I feel like, yeah, I, I you know, I've I've gotten a little bit more cultured and then we do episodes like this and I'm like, I am still 
just an uncultured Midwestern dummy. So um, I appreciate you guys getting me into something that I hadn't tried before. And honestly, there was this this spiced tea that I tried uh, that I definitely want to buy a box of and actually drink regularly because it was so tasty. <laughs> um, so so thank you for that. And yeah, I guess uh, if anybody out there has any any tea pairings that you'd like to send over to us, you remember you can always email us at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. Um, next week's episode is our Goodreads book of the month. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to Philadelphia to um, do a big Pokemon event and see some friends because I'm a fucking nerd. But nice. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about uh, The Six Gun Volume 1 with Brian, Kate, and Kate. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. Kate is at Kate Elfier. You can follow Kara at Kara S. Zam. You can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at ircb podcast on twitter and instagram this episode first aired on patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons join today for exclusive series like the ircb movie club saga of saga and more join now at patreon.com slash ircb podcast and if you haven't already please rate and review our show five stars off on apple Podcasts, stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts it really does help us spread the word about ircb Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record. Check out the links in the, in the show notes, and it would help us a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a very cool guy who makes us sound cool, and sometimes he shows up in the chat and just trolls the hell out of us. But you know what? He's our editor for the show, and we love him. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening live. Thanks to Danny and Xander. And uh, there was one other person whose name I I forget uh, hanging out with us. We appreciate you all. Thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show in general. You are fantastic human beings and we love you. Until next time, though, comics are good and so are you. Comics are good.